Oh man, that Roland video is so good every time. Well, hey, welcome to Fuse, everybody. Every campus, before we do anything else, we gotta do something. We gotta lift a shout of praise to the Lord for the sun and the slight warmth. Can't you just like smell spring break around the corner? Yeah. Well, let's start praying protection over all of ourselves now, okay? Um, so, hey, welcome to Fuse tonight, everybody. Uh, I also want to do this. Can we, everybody across every campus, across the state, can we just welcome with our applause the people who are here for the first time at every campus? You've just stepped into a family, so welcome. And also, hey, listen, if you're also kind of new here, and you're like, uh, I've been coming for a few weeks, but I don't really know, like, how do I uh, get more involved, learn more about this? It, those sermons kind of make sense to me. Then let me tell you what you need. You need a fuse group. Shout out for fuse groups. Okay. I um, had actually a new addition to my fuse group last week. Shout out to Maya. That's my group. That's right. Because you know what? Fuse is about the family, and in the family, we grow the family. So, no, we want you more involved in the family. Sign up for a Fuse group. If you don't know what that is, ask anyone with a name tag on and say, hey, you look nice. Can I be in your Fuse group? And if you're a dude and you're asking a girl that, no. Okay, we do these boys with boys, girls with girls. So some of you just opted out. It's fine. But we want you involved in a Fuse group. Now that all the family business is covered, we've got to wrap up tonight, sadly, but also excitedly because we've got some awesome coming next week. But we've got to wrap up our Exodus series tonight. Has anybody enjoyed the Exodus series across every campus? I'm not going to lie to you. When we first thought of this, like, hey, we should teach students through the book of Exodus, I was like, risky. But it's been one of my favorite things we've ever done. Because what we're talking about, um, and I'm not going to recap too much because pretty much a lot of my message is some recap and really teaching on one specific event tonight. But what I love about Exodus, this isn't like a boring book at the beginning of the Bible. This is something we've kind of hit a couple times through the series. I want you to write this down. The Exodus journey is not ancient or foreign. It's current and it is mine. The Exodus journey is not ancient. It's not foreign. It is current and it is mine. And so we've walked through this in a, a few different ways the past few weeks, and I'm going to show you a little bit of that. But when it comes to this Exodus journey, if it is mine, then I hope what, if you haven't yet tied together the pieces of the Exodus story, then I want to encourage you tonight, God is an incredible storyteller, an unbelievable author. So what I wanted to make sure to do, I have two goals tonight. I want to tie together all the pieces of the Exodus story, just in case you missed it, and I want us to identify where we are on this journey. So here's the filter, two questions to filter the whole night through. Write these down as well or just think about them is this. What is the journey and where am I on the journey? What is the journey? Where am I on the journey? If the Exodus journey is not ancient or foreign, but it is current and it is mine, then what exactly is the journey and where am I on it if it belongs to us? So I have kind of a cool way I want to do that tonight. I think, I hope, we'll see. Uh, but if you could please at every campus make a round of applause for my lovely assistant, Tyler Jenkins, as he rolls out our illustration for this evening. That's pretty difficult by yourself. I'm impressed. 
Wow. So, everybody, welcome to the Exodus journey via a map. Now, I know many of us, what are maps? Ancient scrolls, really. Um, I use GPS. Siri is my best friend. Um, but just know I am old enough to remember when my parents would be on trips, some of you leaders can attest, and they'd like literally unfold a map. And it was the worst thing, and then your parents got in a fight, and then it took you twice as long to get the place you were going. Anyways, be thankful for your modern generation. But this is going to help us track our journey, where we've been and where we're going in the Exodus story. And there's, re there's three real trail markers in the Exodus journey. We have, hold on, hold on, I almost forgot, I almost forgot, hang on. We have <laughs> Egypt, I've always wanted to do that. To like, Egypt, when you weren't paying attention in class, do your teachers still do this? No. Well, just know if I come to your high school, this is what I'm doing. Okay, we have Egypt, we have the Red Sea, and we have the wilderness. That's the last time I'm going to do that because honestly, I'm like scaring myself. Okay, we have Egypt, the Red Sea, and the wilderness. These are the three trail markers in the Exodus journey. If you're with me, say yes. yes. Okay. So first and foremost, we have Egypt. This is what we've covered a lot the past few weeks, that for years the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt under the rule of a guy named Pharaoh. And they lifted up a cry to the Lord, and he heard their cry, and he sent a guy named Moses. And who remembers the ten plagues message? Which technically was nine, because then we hit the tenth plague in the Passover that we beautifully got to walk through last week with the Passover meal we got to take the Lord's Supper together. But the first step from if you're enslaved, then you need to be delivered, which means you need to be the first step really in our marker, not just Egypt, but if this journey is not ancient or foreign, but it's current and it's mine, then the first step is we need to be saved. Somebody say amen if you're thankful for your salvation. Amen. I'm so thankful. So in Egypt, the Israelites needed to be saved. And here's the truth. You and I need to be saved from our enslavement to sin. Somebody has to make a way. Somebody has to pay the price. Somebody has to come and do the work that we cannot do so we can be saved from our sin just the way the Israelites needed to be saved from their slavery to Pharaoh. And this is, again, what we walked through last week through the Lord's Supper is that through God's personal involvement, but also the blood payment of a lamb that the Israelites were freed. So let me tie this, tra this trail marker together for us so it's not just the Israelites, but also our story. Y'all can write this down when it comes to the first step of being saved. The Israelites were saved by the blood of a lamb. The Israelites were saved by the blood of a lamb. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as a lamb was sacrificed and blood painted over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over, the, the miracle that convinced Pharaoh to let them go is tied to Jesus shedding his blood, covering us so that we no longer have to be slaves to sin. We can be saved. Can I get another amen? This is too good. Listen, 
If you don't consistently, if you are saved in this room and you don't consistently come back to your salvation to remember it, to remember the payment of Jesus Christ, to remember his blood shed for you, can I encourage you, make that a part of not just your weekly but your daily remembrance. Call yourself to it. Me and my Fuse group did this last week. We shared our salvation stories, and it was amazing. So this is the first step in our journey with the Israelites. But as we know, Pharaoh is convinced. They are saved. They are released from Egypt, and they make their way. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the exact you know, path of trajectory, but they make their way from Egypt. And you have to imagine, this is 600,000 men, and so including women and children, this is like over a million people that we're talking about making this journey from Egypt, and they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and they start to make camp. And I can imagine them, okay, use your imagination. You're smart. I know you're imaginative. They're setting up camp on the edge of the sea. They can't really move forward, uh, wondering where they are on this journey. And I imagine them just setting up camp, maybe sharing stories of their Passover meal, maybe looking at each other going, what just happened? Dude, remember the frogs? Those were crazy. Can you believe the Nile turned red with blood? Are we actually free? Did Pharaoh actually let us go? And as they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea reminiscing, guess who's back in Egypt stewing? Pharaoh. I imagine him just in his giant throne room just like pacing back and forth. I can't believe I let him go. What did I do this for? How are we going to build everything I had plans to build? And he starts to stew, and he says, we've got to go back and, and get the uh, Israelites back. I can't believe I let them go. It's time. Hey, chariots, warriors, get it together. We're going after them. And listen, I'm about to walk through a lot of Scripture. So everybody say, yes, because the Bible is good. We've read a lot of Scripture in this series, but because there's just no better storyteller than the Bible. So I'm going to let the Bible tell the story for itself. And listen, this is where we're going to spend most of our time tonight, this part of the trail, this marker. So I'm about to read a lot of scripture of what happens. But again, the Israelites are here on the edge of the Red Sea. You have Pharaoh back in Egypt stewing, and he's like, that's it. It's time to go. We're going to take the Israelites back. So let's journey with the Israelites together to the edge of the Red Sea and what happens next. Exodus 14, starting in verse 6. You can look this scripture up on your phone, in your actual Bible, or up on the screen. But read, engage in this scripture with me as I read it. So Pharaoh made ready his chariot, took his army with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt. I don't know what the difference is between a chosen chariot and the other chariot, so maybe it's like a super nice car, and maybe my car is like a Mazda Tribute, but he takes all the chariots with him and took 600 chosen chariots and other chariots with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and all of Pharaoh's chariots and all of his horsemen and his army overtook them and camped at the sea by both of those places. If you can read that, let me know later. I need to get hooked on phonics, okay? Going down to verse 10. So when Pharaoh drew near, 
the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. Can you imagine? Okay, the wealthiest person, the most powerful person on the planet at the time is pursuing you with all of his chariots, all of his weapons, all of his army, and you have a small donkey in your family. Okay, there's no form of defense here. You are trapped. So I, I would also fear greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Pause in the story, okay? Go here with me. The Israelites have been out of Egypt less than a week, okay? This is about how long it took them to get to the edge of the Red Sea. Fun fact, better translated, Reed Sea. Write that down, side note of theology, coming back. They'd been out of Egypt barely a week, and they're already forgetting what it was actually like in Egypt. Now, come, come with me here. Have any of you, because uh, I imagine there's lots, you got saved at Fuse or at church or wherever, and you leave Fuse and you've never felt so free. Or you left Gauntlet and you're like, that was the best week of my life. I can't, I can't believe what God did for me. Remember the music? Maybe you came on a Sunday and you got saved. Maybe it was in a conversation with your Fuse group. And you walk out of Fuse, you're like, I've never felt so light in my entire life. And it's like as soon as you get home, something happens and you're like, God, you should have left me to die. I can't do this salvation thing anymore. It's too hard. It's too hard. I can't do it. Anybody been there? Okay. If, if not, welcome to the Christian life. Things get hard. But listen, do not, you need to hear this, everybody at every campus, do not be surprised if as soon as you get saved, it feels like the enemy is attacking you even harder. Because for the first time ever, you are a real threat to him and the kingdom he's trying to establish. He knows even more than you do that now you are a saved individual who is free and can wreak havoc on him and his plans and his kingdom. So if it feels like the enemy's chasing you down with his chariots and his weapons and his swords, you need to take heart because that probably actually means you're saved. You're no longer a slave. You are now saved, and the enemy is terrified by you. This is what you need to sense. This is what's happening with the Israelites. Don't, don't sink back in fear. Take it as a badge of honor because God is determined to work full salvation for you. And we see that as we continue to read this story together. So let's keep going. They're there on the edge of the sea. They're terrified. They cry out to God. They look to Moses and say, you should have left us in Egypt to die. Moses stands up like a great leader, I imagine, with his staff. This is also my staff tonight. I imagine with his staff, and he's like, do not fear. You ever try to, like, say something you don't actually, like, lead your group in class for a group project? And somehow you get made the leader, and you're like, Everybody's starting to fight already. And you're like, do not fear. I know exactly what we're supposed to do. But really in your head, God, <laughs> help me know what we're supposed to do. So Moses makes this declaration. Hey, do not fear. Be still. God will fight for us. 
And I love God's response to him that we're about to see because he says, hey, Moses, stop praying and start doing. And we see this in Exodus 14, starting in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, hey, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord." When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Pause again before we continue reading. I want you to see the command given to Moses is very simple. Hey, Moses, lift your hand, raise your staff. This is not that difficult. But it was a simple act of obedience that led to a great miracle that we're about to read. So here's an encouragement, a side note of encouragement for a lot of you. Many of us think that it is the older, the more wise, the uh, expert that are able to work in mighty power for God. But I want you to see in this story simple instructions. Matter of fact, can we all try to do it now? Raise your hand. Lift your staff. You don't have a staff? Use your imagination. See how easy that is? Listen, simple obedience as a Christian is where your power lies. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an expert in the Bible. Moses follows simple instructions given by God. Obedience is where the power is. God does not need your perfection. He just needs your obedience and faith. So Moses does this, and let's see what happens. It's it's getting good. Here we go. Go down to verse 21. So Moses stretched out his hand. Can you imagine how dumb you would feel? So imagine there's Myrtle Beach behind me, okay, the sea. I turn around, and you're all like, all right. Meredith, help us get across. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) Okay, God. But simple, okay, go here in your mind. This is crazy what God is asking Moses to do, but his obedience has power. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, split in half. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. The Egyptians, crazy, pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Go down to verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses again stretches out his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled into it. But the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground. Not muddy ground. Not difficult ground to walk through. Dry ground through the sea. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Guys, imagine this picture. 
you're trapped. The enemy on this side, a seeming insurmountable, um, insurmountable obstacle on this side. And God, through the obedience of a man and through the power of his word, splits the sea in half so you can walk through on dry ground. And I want you to see what this step means for us that not only did the Israelites needed to be saved, this step for us means this. Where's my chalk? There it is. Enemy, get behind me. This step for the Israelites showed that they were marked. Marked by God. Here's what this means really quickly. Marked in three ways. Number one, they were marked in their memory. Again, think of this story. You go on spring break with your friends to Myrtle Beach, okay? You're hanging out, and a guy walks up to the sea with his metal detector, because that's the only thing I can think of as a rod, and people at Myrtle Beach seem to love metal detectors, holds it up, and the sea splits in half. You and your entire family and all of your friends get to walk through on dry ground with your mouths open, eyes wide, like someone has made a way for us. This is one of the main things that the Israelites told in their stories to their kids the rest of their lives to remember the hand of God who is determined to make a way for you. So somebody needs to hear this in the room tonight. If you feel trapped on both sides like there's no way out, God is determined to make a way for you. If you are saved and he is going to mark you in your memory to show you who he, what he has promised to come through for you on. But second of all, it didn't just mark their memory. I love this. It marked their reputation. Their reputation. There's, there's uh, after this, it says that the surrounding areas started talking about these people. Okay? Imagine that you hear the story. What's talk going to be like the next day at school? Have you heard of these people? who walked through the Reed Sea on dry ground. Dude, I heard on the right and on the left, it was like a wall. And then I heard that all of their enemies were drowned in the sea. Every single, all the chariots, man, no, not one, did any of them get out? Not one of them got out. Not one sword, not one chariot, nothing got out. It marked their reputation as God's people. And thirdly, I hadn't even planned on saying this tonight, but you need to know it also marked their identity. It marks their memory, it marks their reputation, and it marks their identity. No longer after crossing the Red Sea were they known as slaves. Not one time. They are now marked as God's freed people. It marked their memory, it marked their reputation, and it marked their identity. I'm no longer a slave. Egypt is too far behind me. I am now one of God's chosen people marked with victory. He took away their slavery and he marked them with victory. And here's what, here's how this all ties together. Well, how is this part of my journey? This is what baptism does for us. When we receive salvation and go through the waters of baptism, you need to let it mark your memory, mark your reputation, and mark your identity. Your reputation should change after baptism that people start talking about you differently because you've come through no longer a slave in identity. You're now a child of God. Slave no longer is in our vocabulary. Child of God is who you are when you are marked by baptism. 
Again, this is a beautiful story that God wrote through generations of the Bible to show us. In Jesus, we are saved by his blood. And then to tie it together for us when it comes being marked by baptism, we're going to put this up on the screen. The Israelites were marked by crossing the Red Sea. We are marked by baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is incredible. I've been praying that God would reveal to you what a beautiful storyteller that he is. That this goes far deeper and more personal than we could possibly imagine. So they're saved from Egypt. They're marked by crossing the Red Sea. But now we find the Israelites on the other side of the Red Sea, no longer slaves, but now the question is, what do we do in the wilderness? They're saved, they're marked. And the third step that I want y'all to see tonight. In the wilderness, we are made new. I never thought I'd love writing with chalk so much. We are made new. Because now we got to learn how to not live like slaves anymore. Now we got to learn how to live like free people because the Israelites have been slaves for hundreds of years. Now what does it mean to be a freed person? But little spoiler alert here, this is our whole next series at Fuse. So you're not going to want to miss the next four weeks as we walk through the wilderness with the Israelites and learn what it means to now live as a new person. But for tonight, I want us to go ahead and move into what this means for us. I've, I've as best as I can, outline the Exodus journey. That in Jesus, we can be saved, we can be marked, and we can be made new. But I want you to remember that question at the beginning, where are you on the journey? Where are you on this journey? And if you need a little more help with that, we have a final slide to help you walk through that question. Think about this personally. In my Exodus journey, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Has there been a time in your life where you have done this? Where you have received the payment that Jesus paid when he poured out his blood on the cross? Have you realized that sin has held you captive? You are a captive. It is not your friend. It has become your master. And only in Jesus can we be freed from being enslaved to sin. Hey, maybe you've been here and it's time for you to get marked. You've professed Jesus as Lord. He has freed you from the rule of the enemy, from his torment, from him being your master. And you need to get marked in baptism. Maybe this is your step. I love how even when Jesus was alive here on the earth, he displayed what this meant. He was baptized by his cousin, John. And when he was brought up out of the water. The voice of God spoke and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Marked as son. In baptism, we are marked as son or daughter. Or maybe you've done both of these and you need to be made new again and again and again. Listen, I got saved 19 math, um, 12 years ago. Hmm. <laughs> And every day, God shows me the gift that it is to follow his lead the rest of my life and know what it means to now live as a freed person. 
This is not just the Exodus journey. This is your journey and this is my journey. And we need Jesus's lead to follow every trail marker along the way. So here's what I would love to do. Everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to literally walk us through us responding in this to one of these three trail markers. So you're here tonight, and as I ask the question, where are you on the journey, you realize you've never made it even to step one, saved. And tonight, even as we were worshiping and getting ready for tonight, I couldn't help but think that there's somebody here tonight who March 13th, 2019, you're going to remember for the rest of your life because you're going to remember it as the night that Jesus Christ saved you, where you received his salvation, where he freed you from the hold of sin and brought you into a place where you could live in a whole new life. So if that's you and you know you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, on the count of three, would you just put your hand up confidently and boldly across every room across the state? I feel like I'm specifically supposed to say Spartanburg right here. On the count of three, you know you need to get saved. One, two, three. If you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, be free from bondage to sin. This journey is just the starting block to a beautiful journey that you will start on. And leaders, if you see students with their hands raised across every campus, you can tap them on the shoulder and take them out. And hey, I wanna encourage you to at every campus, if you know this is you, but you're nervous to raise your hand right now, I get it. I was very, very nervous the day where I stood up to show that I needed to be saved. Then feel the freedom to talk to a leader before you leave, anybody with a name tag in your fuse group. We wanna show you what that means. But the rest of the invitation, I'm actually gonna invite everybody to look at me in every campus. We're not done, I promise you we're so far from done. Not so far, <laughs> I don't have like another 30 minute message. Um, let me tell you the reality. I want to always be very real with my Fuse family. Hopefully you feel that. Here's the reality. First, we need to celebrate and then I need to challenge a little bit and invite. First, we need to celebrate that over just the past three months at Fuse, we've seen nearly 100 people step into this step of the journey who have gotten saved at, at Fuse at every campus. Hey. So don't tell me just preaching through the Bible and reading a lot of scripture doesn't work because the Spirit is using it. I can't believe it. But with that, guess how many people have been baptized out of those 100? Two. So your step tonight to walk through this Exodus journey to make it yours is to sign up for baptism. We're gonna make that so easy. If you're here tonight and you are one of those 100, or maybe you didn't get saved at Fuse, but you've gotten saved recently and you've not been through baptism where you are joined with Jesus as you are lowered under the water, it's a sign that you have been buried with Christ. Your old self is gone and dead and you've been raised to new life with him and salvation. That's your next step tonight. 
So you can right now, now this is not, if I see everybody, especially in Anderson, take out your phone, there's more than 100 people in here. I know you ain't texting baptism to 3303, okay? Only if you know this is you, you need to text baptism to 30303 right now. Which means tonight at every campus, we should have at least 98 texts. I would love, you know what would be awesome if at Fuse one night we could only have a baptism service because we had so many people who are like, I'm ready to get marked in my memory and my reputation and my identity with Jesus Christ. That would be amazing. So text that right now. But here's the third invitation. Lean in for these last three minutes. Many of us are here. You've been saved. You've been marked in baptism. And you're on this journey of what it means to be made new. Well, tonight we are going to celebrate at every campus people who are getting, who are showing, who are um, being marked by baptism live at every campus tonight. And we need to celebrate that they are now going into the step of being made new. But for all of us who are professing believers who've been saved, who've been baptized, and are now on this journey to be made new, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to take you back in your mind to this moment of baptism that you had. Because let me tell you, it may feel like to you right now like the enemy is chasing you down. Some old habits have started to come back, some old mind thoughts, some, some old insecurity. But let me remind you of the Exodus journey. Every enemy was drowned in the sea. So when we have baptism, you need to picture that shame that feels like it won't leave you, that slave identity, not free identity, and you need to picture your shame drowning in the bottom of that pool. If you've been wrestling with depression, then you need to not live. That is slave mentality, not free in Jesus' name mentality. And I want you to picture your depression drowning at the bottom of that pool. If you've had anger issues, let me tell you, free people don't live angry. So you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power, the wherewithal, the might to picture your anger drowning in the bottom of that pool. Old identity, maybe your parents have spoken something over you, some friends have spoken something over, over you that doesn't feel like it fits anymore. It doesn't, it's because it's slave clothes and you've been dressed in robes of righteousness. So you need to picture that drowning at the bottom of the pool. We are free in Jesus' name because of the Exodus journey showed to us thousands of years ago with the Israelites and now made a full and whole in Jesus Christ. If you can't get excited about this, if you've been sleeping through the whole message, I don't know what else to tell you because this is the best news that has ever been proclaimed, will ever be proclaimed, and one day we will celebrate in eternity that you've been set free. You are made new, saved, marked, made new in Jesus' name. And we're going to celebrate that now at every campus. So when that person, listen, these people have been bold, and they're going to share their stories with you at every campus. My throat hurts, and yours better after we celebrate these baptisms. And then we need to worship like freed people worship. When they came through the Red Sea, Miriam, we're going to talk about this next week, but she broke out her tambourine, making a song to the Lord. If you've got a tambourine, break that thing out and worship, and let's worship and sing like freed people, because that's what the Exodus journey is all about. So we're going to celebrate that together. But y'all stand on your feet, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to celebrate baptism together. Let's pray. Jesus.
You are too good. Thank you for the gift of your blood, the payment that you made for us. Thank you that in your name we can be saved, marked, and made new. I pray right now against the enemy. God, would he be drowned in our worship, drowned in our praise, but would we all feel drenched in your love? Thank you that you made a way. Thank you that you will always make a way. And thank you that we get to be made new in the identity of Jesus Christ. It's in your name now I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate baptism together.